0: Welcome to those of you joining us online. So glad to have you all here today. It's uh, looks like a beautiful day here. I hope it's uh, I hope wherever you are, you're comfortable. I don't know. What you know yet. We're going to continue on in a series we started a few weeks ago called imager and training. I uh, in the first. Message I really sort of laid an introduction down that you probably should go back and watch if you didn't see it because I tie in creation and I tie in the Exodus and I tie in the 10 words and there's a lot going on uh, and uh, the reality is that what's happening now is that because of what Jesus has done for us. Uh, Holy Spirit dwelling in us now, um, we are restored to uh, our original vocation, which is to reflect God into the world. We we are God's image, and so we're to reflect God to one another and to the world. And that's kind of the discussion we started, and uh, we we've be, we've begun to look at the Beatitudes. And what I said about the beatitudes is, when Jesus was teaching, he was saying, "Look, as a believer, as a follower uh, of Jesus, this is what it's going to look like. This is what Holy Spirit is going to develop in you." And so, these beatitudes aren't something that we're, we're we're trying to like work towards. These are things that should already be happening in us. And when they're not, then that gives us sort of the the understanding that we need to be pressing in and yielding to the Holy Spirit. And so, we're we're looking at the beatitudes in that light. And uh, that this should just be what's happening. And I think they're a good picture of what it means to reflect God into the world. That this is what Jesus was teaching throughout this journey. We're going to be in the fourth beatitude today, uh, which says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is a very, very important one. They're all important, but uh, I think there's a lot that comes with this one. And so we're going to dig into that in just a moment. Time for bad jokes, however, before we do that. I uh, actually, this part is true. I drove my uh, three of my grandkids to school the other day. And uh, as we were driving, they started a game where if you talked, you lost. Uh, It was quite the competition, to say the least. It's really cold this week all over the country except for here. And I enjoy the cold weather, but only to a certain degree. Like sixty five. The major difference between a well-dressed man and a tired-out dog is that one wears a suit and the other just pants. (laughs) Alice, come. Pray for us. Read the scripture to us.
1: my goodness. That's a hard act to follow there, dear. But, you know, my dog never wears pants. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I tried. I tried. There's you, no. You, you
0: do try and put her in a dress every now I and again. I do.
1: She's really cute.
0: She hates it. You talk about misery. Look at my dog when they put, when she puts her in a costume He's or a dying. dress. The dog is like...
1: He's lying. She got was to a drag bumblebee her everywhere. For fall festival that we didn't have, she was a bumblebee. She was really cute. Okay. I need Jesus. How about the rest of you? Let's pray. Yeah. Papa, let your kingdom come. Father, let it come in us and around us, before us and behind us. Lord, let us grab a hold of that kingdom and let revival come in our hearts today. Father, let us be a people that move with purpose and intention toward love, that walk in the light, that reflect your image, not ours, but yours. Let this be the day of love's returning, Jesus. Let this be the day. Amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. And this is Paul talking about the ministry of reconciliation. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We were not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. For if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. Blessed be the word of God. You may be seated. Good job.
0: You. If, you've, uh, if you've been coming for any length of time or watching online, you'll know that that's a verse we get to quite often. Second Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So it's very important, and it ties in with what we're talking about today, which is the fourth beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, all the beatitudes are obviously important. This one, I think, is uh, is. We really need to be paying attention to this one as well as the others. The first three Beatitudes helped us to deal with things that are really potential barriers to us um, being image bearers, reflecting the image of God. And so Jesus kind of challenges us in the first three. In the first one, he challenges us to turn away from self-seeking. In the second one, he's challenging us to turn away from self-satisfaction. The third one, he's challenging us to turn away from self-serving. And this one... He's really challenging us to be really aware and cautious of self-righteousness. And this is a big deal. And self-righteousness, I think, is one of the major obstacles that the church and that believers are always facing and that uh, we tend to fall into it pretty easily. Unfortunately, it's been an issue, uh, has been. Jesus was trying to deal with it. It's been an issue through the church where we engage with Jesus. We're filled with the Spirit and, and we, we get it. And that's how we start. But we quickly start turning to what are the rules and I'll do those things. And then all of a sudden, this self-righteousness falls on us. And it, it really takes us out of mission. Uh, it, it, it's... Uh, it takes us out of having the impact that we're supposed to have in the world around us. So we have to be very, very cautious and very much aware of what self-righteousness is and what it looks like. And I think the biggest confusion is we confuse self-righteousness with what real righteousness really is. So we, we need to look at those things. But I love the way that Jesus starts this, hunger and thirst, he says. And the idea of hungering and thirsting are a description for us of a, of a passion of a person who has really sort of figured out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's it's someone who has um, suddenly realized how amazing this life that you've sort of stumbled into really is, that you've tied it in from beginning to end, and you know the amazing promises that we have, and you realize what Jesus has done so we can have life now, and you realize how it was all meant to be, and, and it's it sort of... Overwhelms you. you. You get a hold of that. That there was no way that you could have done this in your own strength, and you could have ever earned it or performed or for it or anything. And and you you get to this spot where where you you realize that what you want to do is you want to dive into this life with him, with all that you have and all that you are. That it becomes the most important thing in your life. And and it's this idea of hungering and thirsting in this area that Jesus is bringing into the story. So hungering and thirsting are, um, they're sort of, if you think about it, to hunger and thirst, those are the primary needs in our physical life, right? If you, you, you start with those things, if you don't have those things, that will be all that you do. If you've ever been to another uh, culture or another place on the planet where those things are issues, you realize their lives are completely different. If they don't have access to to water, they, that's what they're pursuing. That becomes the focus of everything. If they don't have access to food, that trumps everything else. They they don't have time for anything else. They don't sit back and relax, or, or they don't learn. They don't. They're just that's their entire focus is these sort of things. And and so. What Jesus is saying with that in mind is, listen, this idea of pursuing righteousness, it needs to be like that to you. It needs to be th- that big a deal in your life uh, and what's happening. And, and so uh, he's comparing our pursuit of righteousness to the basic needs of life. Uh, in in uh, Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So the, the spiritual pursuit, the pursuit of righteousness is as necessary to um, a believer, to one of us, uh, as the pursuit of food or water is into our physical being. You, you just, he's making that connection. It's this important. It's that big a deal. It's that much of a priority. That's how we're supposed to press in to pursuing righteousness. Well, what, what is it then? And here's where I think we get off track a lot of times, because we, we quickly substitute this idea of righteousness in our minds. We think, well, that's, so, that's gotta be all about morality, and so it's about following rules and regulations, and, and we think that that's all that it is. And that's what we're supposed to pursue, and we, we, if we're not careful, we'll set up this, this uh, pursuit of all these rule-following things, instead of understanding that what he's calling us to is a deeper relationship with himself. Now, tied up in this idea, because righteousness is it's, its more of an identity than an action. I want you to get a hold of it. It's really about who you are. And, and so... Um righteousness, this idea, was really made possible at the cross. Now remember, that's the center of the story, right? It's the, it's the big part. Um, you know from the beginning how God set it up, and we were made in his image, and then the fall happens, and that image was distorted because of the enemy, and we started reflecting the enemy. But at the cross, this magical, amazing moment in time, Jesus comes and and he's able to uh, in, because of who he is he takes on all of the consequences of the fall he takes on all of the sin of the world that's happened and that will happen and he takes it all upon himself and then he takes it with him as he dies he takes it down and if you he leaves it down there and then he defeats the power of death telling the enemy who's who, and he rises again. It's the beginning of everything, new creation. Everything starts happening at that moment. That's sort of the focus. And what he does then for us is he makes it possible for us once again to be image bearers. We, we are now able to go back to our original vocation, and we are to reflect the image of God. This is the idea of righteousness. Now, the word, fascinating word, uh, and uh, that's used in the Greek because it has so many different meanings um, and, and the Apostle Paul uses that word on purpose and he draws in a lot of ideas. On the, on the one hand, the, the word there that's being used for righteousness has to do with justice and law and order and all those things. But on the other hand, it also has to do just as much with the covenant faithfulness of God. That God will be faithful to his covenant and all that he's promised. And so all of this is tied in to this idea of righteousness. Uh, In the Greek lexicon, it defines it this way. It's not a bad definition. It defines righteousness as, in a broad sense, the state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God. So righteousness would be the state of, of him who is as he ought to be. In other words, right in being. It's being who you're supposed to be. And that's what happened when you came to know Jesus. You were you were now, once again, who you were always created to be. And, and it's an identity thing, not just an action thing. And that's where we get in trouble, because we're convinced it's an action term. So righteousness means following these rules. Righteousness is an identity that's been restored to you because of what Jesus has done. The biblical contrast for righteous is sinner. Romans 5 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, that would be Adam, the many were made what? Sinners. It's an identity thing. So also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. The enemy comes along and at the fall, he steals away from us that identity uh, uh, that we're supposed to have. And what does he do? He he gives us the identity as sinners. That's what it looks like to follow him. But Jesus comes, takes care of all the mess that happened there, and he restores our identity to Righteous. And, and so we need to begin to understand this as we look through this. Because if you don't start taking it in as an identity thing, you'll take it in as an action thing. And you re- almost always go back to rule following. And rule following is for. Uh, see, this this relationship with God. He, Jesus is saying, look, it, it's something that it's alive and active. We're to be pressing into it. And so we have to cultivate it. It has to be it, it, you know, at the highest levels of our life. It means we're going to take time in the mornings and we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to engage. And throughout the day we're going to think about how cool it is to be His child. And we're going to press in again later on and in the evenings and in our actions and the things that are happening. And, and this is how we're going to move through this life. But what tends to happen is we're like, well, that's a lot of work. Just tell me the rules I've got to do. And, and all of a sudden we'll start thinking, well, okay, it's these rules. And then... We get into it for a while and we almost think, okay, well, I got this. I do these things and I don't do these things. Good. But you get that you've withdrawn, you get complacent at that point and you're not hungering and thirsting any longer. You're not passionate about this relationship. And Jesus wants you passionate for him. That's the kind of relationship he wants. See, that's what he came for. That kind of amazing relationship. And so we got to be careful we don't settle for self-righteousness because that's what we'll do and, 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 and so th- this new identity people, we're, you know, oh well pfft, I'm still a mess, yes we're all still a mess but your identity is not your identity is restored as an image bearer you, are, you have now the righteousness of God look, look what Paul says in Ephesians 4.24 we're to put on the new self created to be what? like God in true righteousness and holiness, it's an identity thing do we still mess up? I do I don't want to speak for you. But if you don't think you do, come and see me later. Because just coming up to see me would be like, "Ah (laughs) (laughs) ah-ha. It's identity. It's who I am now. And, And so what it causes me to want to do is, is to yield to the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm pressing in. I want more of it. I don't want to settle for self righteousness. Now, so what does it look like, self righteousness? And, and you know, I've been talking with you over the last couple of weeks, and I, I've said this to you that I think a lot of people are forgotten how big God is. And they've really sort of made God kind of small, actually. That He's limited to all these things. And, and what I think happens is what we start to do is we start to sort of build a box for God, our own little God box. And we start to think, well, this is who God always is. And and, and we come up with formulas. If we do this, 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 and this, then God always does this. And you, you you get sort of God into this box. Well, the problem is God won't fit in your box ever. You couldn't make a box that big. God, God is. I love God. God is so amazing. Sometimes the moment you start, you think you have him figured out. He'll do something just so beyond what you'd ever imagine. That he's like, see, I showed you. You can't. You can't make a box for me. That's what idols are, right? That's what happens with that. You can't put God in the box. And I, I would tell you this as well. Here's what really happens when you de- you design your God box. We all do this. You know who happily slithers in there? Little G God. The enemy goes, oh, I'll, I'll take your box. And so how do you know? Well, here's a big thing. This is how you know. Remember in that last series at the end, I talked about the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit develops in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Remember, remember all those things? Well, we're not supposed to be real judgy people, but we are supposed to be fruit examiners. Is that fruit good? And let me tell you this, too. Uh, you need to be examining your own fruit. That's going to keep you more than busy enough to to where you don't have time to examine anybody else's fruit. It's a full-time occupation. That's what Jesus was talking about with the old, you know, the speck in the log, right? He's like, how in the world do you got time to deal with the speck in that guy with this massive, huge log sticking out of your own eye? You got, you're going to spend your life yielding to the Spirit dealing with that. Don't worry too much about that. Yeah. Well, fruit's the same way. What's the fruit of your life like? And you oh, you know, love. We've got to be careful that we don't get self-righteous. Well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness. You're pretty good. Think about the rich young ruler going to Jesus. And he said, well, here's the things. You've been doing that. Oh, yeah, I've been doing all of it. And you want to go, oh, that's Jesus you're talking to. Yeah. <laughs> self-righteous. It's a picture of it. So so what, what was this like? Well, Paul defines love. You know, I like that. Love is patient. Love is kind. We talk about eh, That's good. But I was thinking, you know, in this pursuit, when I think what love is like, and because Jesus models life for us, what does love look like to Jesus? And I, I start to think about, you know, Jesus loves us so much that it says that in, that in humility, he left his place in the throne room and took on flesh and came here. And he then... And uh, he didn't come in, you know, in this, uh, you know, he, he came in the way we did into the world through the birth canal in a very lowly way. And he lived the life that we couldn't, this perfect life, but had, all, you know, everything that we experienced. And yet he, he never sinned. And then he has, you know, he, he steps into his ministry and, you know, he gets to do amazing things. And he develops these amazing relationships with his friends, you know, and his family. He's got, he's got this stuff going on and that's his life. But all along he knows. Because he loves us. That he's going to go to the cross for us. Yeah. And as that time gets closer and closer and closer. Look at what he goes through in that last week. When you start thinking about love. So you know his his friends all run away. One of his good friends absolutely betrays him. Stabs him in the back. He's taken into mock trials. He's, he's ridiculed. He's beaten. He's stripped. They throw a fake crown on his head that busts in, into his head. He's forced to carry his cross. He's, he, he, he takes that and he's, he goes on our behalf. And all the time he could have done something else about it, but he goes because he loves us. And then he's, he's nailed to that horrible, horrible wooden tree that like one of the most... Um, uh, horrible forms of torture you can even imagine where he's nailed in hand and, and heels nails driven through and the, the pain is so searing and the, and the position that it puts them in they can't get a good breath and in order to get a deep breath they have to push against their legs and their heels and that pain would just shoot through their bodies so they would start breathing less and less and shallower and shallower until they suffocated. And what does Jesus just before he takes his last breath <laughs> What does he do? He says, oh God, forgive all of them. Can you imagine? You're betrayed, tortured, beaten, spit on, laughed at. Forgive them all. And then he dies and takes care of it. See, when you, when you want to talk about how you're doing love-wise, how you doing? I still get mad at people driving slow in the fast lane. Almost makes me lose my mind. (sighs) And I don't think I ever forgive them. (sighs) Why is that so important? Don't settle for self-righteousness. Ever. Push in. Press in. More God. We want more of you in our lives. We, we, we understand the priority of this. And the amazing thing is that the hungrier and thirstier you realize, the more you're filled, the more you're satisfied. Jesus is giving us a paradox. Jesus loves to teach in paradox. Paradox makes you think about the things that he's saying, uh, like, uh, whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. Whoever loses his life shall save it. Paradox. If anyone wants to be first, he should be last of all. Paradox. Whoever wishes to become great shall be your servant. It's a paradox. It, it means Jesus wants you to think about what he's saying. And he's saying here, if you're hungry and thirsty, you'll be satisfied. And then as you're satisfied, you're going to get hungrier and thirstier for more, and you'll be satisfied. And you'll keep pressing in passionately for all that we have. And it's here, see, it's in this beatitude. that It's this, it's this hungering and thirsting for him that, that really sets everything up. It's this pursuit that will allow us to reflect God's image the way that he wants it to in the world around us. And then he fills us over and over. Jesus declared, the bread of life whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty how do we satisfy hunger and thirst pressing in and pressing in and pressing in and making it your passion and not being satisfied with anything less than not settling for self righteousness which is the it's a big battle for us we have to continue to press in We have to fix our eyes on Jesus and follow him, aware of how amazing this life is, and and that that's what he's developing in us. That's what it looks like. That's that's how we make a difference in the world around us. That's how we experience the full and abundant life that he has for us. It's just by passionately pressing in, just making it the priority of your life, hungering and thirsting for more of him. Never, he satisfies it, and then you realize, ooh, that is satisfying, but... Does anybody here ever have a very satisfying meal? The one you're really full? You know what I'm talking about? Do you get hungry again? Like an hour later? (laughs)
1: Like
0: you get so full sometimes, you're like, I will never eat again, ever. And then you make a sandwich or whatever it was you had. (laughs) That's what this is. Just the same way. More. Jesus, oh, that was so good. But I I want more, Jesus. I never want to be satisfied. I want to be hungry and thirsty and then satisfied. And then hungry and thirsty and then satisfied. And that's the life that he's called us to. Press into that this week. Next week. Oh, mercy next week. That's good. We need. I need lots of mercy. So, uh, so that's the next one. But that's good for today. Alice, my love, why don't you come? We'll pray. And we'll dismiss. Papa, you are amazing. We, we just barely grasp how amazing you are. And then as we begin to grasp it in the small way that we can, we're overwhelmed and it makes us want more. We, we cannot fit you into a box of our own making. Ever. And, and God forgive us when we thought that we could. And help us see what's actually Slithered in that box, and and let us be repulsed by it. Let let any hint of self righteousness repulse us. It's not what we want. We want more of you, and more of you, and then more of you in our lives. And I would I would pray for each person here today, God, that that. In each of us, you would just magnify that desire so that we will not be settled until we have more of you. That it will become a focus in our lives. We'll seek you first and then you will take care of everything else. We're going to press in for more of you and more of you and I I pray that your hearts are stirred and changed to press in for more of him. that, That this has been a a dry season, it's been a wearying season, it's been a time of anxiety and worries, and yet, allow God just to move all of that into your increased and abundant movement into Him, where you will find full and abundant, satisfying life. God, change us.
1: tag on that prayer because it, those streams of living water just let them flow through you today as you hunger and thirst and kimberly uh, pointed out to me that sometimes when the lord comes on you and you feel those streams of living water you leak out of your eyes and that's okay that's okay so may you be filled to leaking in jesus name amen
0: amen it's just a picture of that stream flowing through Amen. It's just a sweet presence right now. Just soak it in, guys. Just take a moment, soak it in. We love you, Papa. We are. We're so grateful for you. And the love you have for us, not based on our performance, just a new Love, a brand new love, all the time. You're good, God. This amazing journey starts by knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. I talked about what he did. It's us believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouths, Jesus is Lord. If you've never done that, do it today. Do it right now. If you're in the room watching online, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? That simple confession and prayer changes everything. Best decision you will ever make. And if you do make that decision, you make that prayer, would you just let me know? Text the word heart to that number, 3057457513, so I can celebrate with you, pray for you, and encourage you. Thank you, church, for your amazing generosity, your faithfulness, your giving, your offering, your tithing, all the things that you do. You are amazing. There's ways to do it if you're watching online or if you're here digitally. There's also offering boxes here, here, and on the way out. We're going to open those doors for you in a minute. Please go out that way so everything's open. You don't have to touch anything. And uh, give yourselves room as you go. That would be great. Let's sing doxology, and we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. As you go out these doors, go out there and enjoy the day. looks like a beautiful day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. God bless you guys. Goodbye. And we just want to say blessings to all of you as well. Thank you. Have a great day wherever you are. Uh, Love on one another. Love on him. And experience full and abundant life in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.